This is an ABC podcast. True Cult with Alex Bonniewell. These films always seem to start with a sense of calm. A couple hiking in a picturesque mountain range, excited to be away from the city for the weekend, to a marine biologist conducting research in a small coastal village. Or a remote town surrounded by dense forests where locals have access to this giant freshwater lake. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? And while it might seem like a lovely idea at first, I'm going to call it, it is prime territory for that one rogue animal. Just when you thought it was safe to return to the water, True Cult with Alex Bonniewell is back with the sequel, When Animals Attack Part 2. And Alex, we had to revisit this topic because there was no way we were ever going to fit in. In every single when animals attack film that we wanted to in episode one. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. I mean, we've got four more goodies for you tonight. Oh, yes. Well, we've got a couple of bear attacks. We've got a killer whale and a giant crocodile. I mean, we, we did, I think we did alligator in the first one, so we're still going with the crocodilian things, but you know, there's always more than one crocodilian attacky film. This, this was so much fun to re watch and watch these films again. So enjoy a, a good animal tearing someone apart movie <laughs> I don't think you can go much wrong with it hello hey you're ready to go your canoe will be right down there by the water need a map no no I know this part well bear spray you're not gonna need it we'll be lucky to see anything bigger than a chipmunk of course you're going that way this is the way Alex I don't understand this can't be it right can you look at me please just let me think just let me think let me think we don't have a map. We don't have a cell phone. We are in the middle of nowhere. What is that? Uh, I don't want to say, Falling from the trees on a dam. Alex, I'm so glad that I could introduce you to that film. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I really enjoyed this. So this is Backcountry from 2014. Um, so this is like romantic hike in the woods goes horribly wrong. Um, urban couple Alex, played by Jeff Roop, and Jen, played by Missy Peregrine, have taken time out of the city to go back to Alex's old stompy ground, the Canadian wilderness. He's like a seasoned outdoor bloke. She's a little worried about that things might go wrong, that it's not just going to be peaceful blue skies and sleeping under wonderful starlit skies. She's got like emergency flares and beacons and stuff in her backpack, and he's going, like, No, you don't need that. I know where things are. It's sweet. Stay with me, you'll be all right. But she's she needs to be a bit nervous, I think. Before they go, before they go rambling off on their trek, they check in at the ranger station, and Alex gets told not to go up the Blackfoot Trail, which is where he's heading. And he kind of roundly ignores his advice because you know he's a tough outdoors guy and knows a sweet spot by a lake where they can have a cool time. But the thing is, he's not that good, and they get a bit lost. They encounter a kind of cheeky Irishman and it kind of plays with that kind of slasher movie trope thing, like Stranger in the Woods kind of thing. And you kind of, oh, I don't know, it could, it could go away. But, you know, nothing really happens there. But it's not until a bit later when they find out they are really, really lost and they really don't know whether, as you heard in the trailer, that things go really badly wrong. And they encounter a bear that's not at all happy and decides that it's going to taste them. And after this kind of build-up, to meeting the bear the attack is such an immense payoff it is just like whoa everything kicks up several gears and, and you know, like, I, I sat there going yeah they're lost yeah they're gonna find a bear 
yeah, it's going to do something. And, oh, my <laughs> word. <laughs> and it was just insanely good animal attack stuff. I couldn't quite work out where the real bear and the effects bear took over. They did it so well. This has got some splendid gore in it. Um, <laughs> even I sat there going, oh, oh, no. Oh, you, you, oh, you can't push that back together. No. Oh, <laughs> at the screen. <laughs> um, and from that point on, say the film kicks up a gear. Um, worth staying with because you, you're not like – I was sitting there going, right, okay, all right. I know, I know. There's a bear attack coming. It's in the trailer. It's oh, in the story. They make you wait, Alex. They, they make do. you wait. They do. <laughs> but it's so worth it. It's about really forty-eight. Good. I think forty-eight minutes, maybe, sort of halfway yeah. through. Yeah. Until you actually see the bear, but as you say, that build up to when the pointy end of the movie really starts moving <laughs> is, as you say, absolutely worth it. And what is also kind of gets you thinking is when you start Googling, because it is based loosely on a real story <laughs> of a black bear attack. So you're probably going to start going down the Google trail now. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine what it'd be like waking up in your tent, unzipping it and seeing a, a black bear just sitting there going, oh, oh, what's that? I'll go and investigate. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 this hasn't got what well, I'll do the zip up. Maybe it'll go away. No, you're not in a, in a bunker. This is a tent. This is fabric <laughs> and zips separating you from jaws of death and claws of evil. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like well, you, you can't you can't kind of just unzip it and do a runner because you've just woken up. You've got no clothes on, whatever. You've got no shoes. And it's like and you're running away from a bear. <laughs> I don't think you're going to last that long. Maybe you'll last slightly longer in the in the fabric tent. I'm not entirely sure. But, yeah, it was just like, whoa. They, that, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it got me full square between the eyes when it all happened. Excellent. <laughs> I'm Rihanna Patrick. This is ABC Radio. And if you have just joined me, True Cult with Alex Bonniewell is going for a sequel with When Animals Attack Part 2. And he's sharing some of those other When Animals Attack films that we didn't quite make it into Part 1 when we did this. And you can't have When Animals Attack without this one. The ancient Romans called him Orca or Kynos, Latin or bringer of death. He is without challenge, the most powerful animal on the globe, the killer whale. Orca has 48 teeth, set in two impressive rows. In some respects, the orca's intelligence may be even superior to man's. They remain loyal to one mate for life. As parents, they are exemplary, better than many human beings. And like human beings, they have a profound instinct for vengeance. innocent creature is destroyed by an act of human cruelty and the ultimate battle of man against nature begins Dino De Laurentiis presents Orca Alex I completely forgot how horrific <laughs> the yeah. opening of this film is before the vengeance takes over and yeah. FYI I am definitely on the side of the killer whale. Oh yes you have to be. So this is Orca the killer whale from 1977. 
all you need to know in the trailer there, Dino De Laurentiis presents. So this was Dino's attempt to cash in on Jaws. Um, there's, a, there's a brilliant review on IMDb that says, oh, if only this film had come out before Jaws, it would have got a lot more attention. It's like, no, it only came out because of Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, so this is directed by Michael Anderson, who did Logan's Run, The Dam Busters, the 1955 one, the 1956 Around the World in 80 Days, Doc Savage, Man of Bronze. So he's got like a pretty hefty back catalogue there. He was busy. He was busy. and But the, this is a blatant Jaws cashing. Right, so you got your your, your fisherman, which is play, who is played by Richard Harris, who's our fisherman's name is Nolan. And he's got the, the kind of, one of the worst Irish accents I've heard in a long time on movie. And he starts off trying to capture a great white somewhere off the coast of Canada. And I'm not sure that great whites have found that far north but that's beside the point anyway they're trying to find this shark and they spot one but it gets attacked by something else and they're like what, what could this be what could face off a great white shark well of course it's a killer whale enter charlotte rampling playing local marine biologist and orca expert rachel who gives an in-depth lecture about our black and white toothy sea mammal and it's all nolan needs to get in his head that he needs to find one and capture one and sell it to an aquarium he does indeed capture one, but it's a pregnant female and she miscarries on the deck of his fishing boat before dying herself and being cast back into the ocean. Of course, her mate is none too pleased and starts to take his revenge on Nolan and the small fishing village where he's staying at the time. <laughs> the whale starts sinking boats and destroying everything, including an oil refinery that you didn't know was there until it blew up. <laughs> Which I was quite amazed at. Why everything's on fire? What the hell's that? An oil refinery? Where did that come from? I thought this was some weird, quiet fishing village. Anyway, when things start blowing up, the locals are like, you've got to go. You know, we we can't have this whale just killing everyone. (laughs) So off Nolan goes to the Arctic waste to face off against the But Before that happens... Bo Derek gets her leg bitten off (laughs) in a classic scene in the movie. Um, also kind of done with the best sets outside original Thunderbirds. I just <laughs> watched it go, that looks like a Thunderbird set. This has got better and better. Yeah, it's completely superb rubbish of the highest degree. Um, it's got A-list movie stars in it, which makes it even better superb rubbish of the highest degree. It's even got a Carradine in it, which puts it to the top of the pile. So you've got Robert Carradine, who is the son of John and the half-brother of David, which then makes it a proper B-movie if you've got a Carradine in there. Some of the effects are great, some are woeful, but most importantly, the whale is the hero and the people are not. As you said at the start, you you, you just kind of go, yeah, Mr. Whale, you get those horrid people. Yeah, vengeance shall be the orcas. (laughs) (laughs) They've messed up your missus, killed your unborn, that's it. Go get them. Ah, such joyous fun from start to finish. Yeah, look, I mean, you've got to have a face-off, don't you, in sort of just Arctic snow. (laughs) Just made so much sense to me. Uh, But I didn't realise that the animatronic killer whales using this were so real that the trucks carrying them were apparently blocked by protesters who thought they were going to use real killer whales. They they do a superb job Mm. on this. You know, it's like from 1977, so there's no CGI or anything in this. And and it it looks really great. I mean, it's like the things that look kind of upsetting the footage of 
killer whales that they've obviously used that are in somewhere like SeaWorld, where their their dorsal fins are bent, which apparently means they're unhappy when they're in captivity. So you, if you kind of know that, you know that they used real killer whales that weren't particularly happy in their surroundings. But the animatronic stuff is just like, yeah, pretty superb. And you did mention, Bo Derek, it was her debut film feature. Um, But there is an Australian connection, Alex, and I didn't know if you were aware of this, but Ron and Valerie Taylor did the additional underwater photography, sort of the shark sequences, that sort of thing. So they were uncredited. Yeah, they did the stuff for Jaws as well, didn't they? They've done it for a number of yeah. movies. Yeah, so um, there was, I think, a, a very big period where they were doing a lot of uh, the underwater filming for a lot of these kinds of films. But, yeah, I didn't realise that, that they had done it on um, Orca, so I learnt something on this one. There you go. If you have just joined me, True Cult with Alex Bonniewell is taking a look at When Animals Attack Part 2. Alex, this is kind of a mixture of say, a mutant animal meets kind of a monster? It is not the offspring of witchcraft or Satan. It was created by man. It will grow to be 15 feet tall. It will have huge eyes, webbed hands, hooked claws, It will walk upright. And it will mindlessly, mercilessly kill every living thing it meets. Prophecy. Alex, I know it won't surprise you to know that, you know, a critic may have described this film slash animal monster as a giant salami. That's kind of kind. This is Prophecy from 1979. Now, I was always fascinated by the cover artwork of this film. It's got this kind of weird, deformed, fetal creature with teeth and claws on it. It's like totally amazing, grab you by the eyes, VHS packaging. Unbelievably, this is from the same director, John Frankenheimer, who did Ronin, French Connection 2, The Birdman of Alcatraz, and The Mancurian Candidate. And you wouldn't believe that it was the same director. He obviously had a budget of about... $50 $50 to do this. So we've got this tale of eco-terror in the form of a mutant bear. But before we get to the bear, a little of a backstory. Okay, so Rob, played by Robert Foxworth, who has been in a billion TV shows, including Star Trek, Deep Space Nine and Enterprise. But more importantly, is the voice of Ratchet in the Transformers movies. He's a bit of a white knight trying to save the less fortunate, like the poor African-Americans in their crumbling tenement, or the Native Americans who is sent to save from the horrid loggers at the giant paper mill in the middle of nowhere. His wife, Maggie, played by Talia Shire, who was Adrian in the Rocky movies and Connie Corleone in the Godfather films, is a cellist and pregnant, but she can't tell Rob what will he do with his career saving the less fortunate. Oh, it'll all go wrong. Anyway, off to wilderness they go, and Rob finds out that a dastardly money-grabbing paper mill has been dumping chemicals into the water, where in turn they'd be muting mutating animals so you're getting tadpoles the size of dogs and a mutant bear that can only run around on its hind legs because it would have been too expensive to have two bear costumes (laughs) (laughs) this is utterly utterly ludicrous so you've got evil empire loggers destroying sacred native american land kind of pseudo native american stories of god animals and stuff a giant mutant bear with 
bits hanging off it that can only run around in its hind legs. A mutant bear offspring that's kind of weird and cuddly and deformed. A, a white guy who wants to save everyone with his luscious hair and trimmed beard. <laughs> a kind of nervous pregnant wife who's worried that she's going to give birth to something mutated because she's been drinking the water from the <laughs> from the local locale. And the best death in sleeping bag scene I've ever seen in any movie. Oh, be cool, I, I, Alex. I nearly fell off the sofa in fits of laughter at it. It was just incredible. Um, this is absolutely not to be taken seriously. This is one of those movies where you just sit there with a big bowl of your favourite snacks, something to drink, and just unwind and go, how on earth did anyone get this off the ground? How did they get anyone to, to okay this script? And go, yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> and then and then try and raise a budget for it. Brilliant. It, it kind of... It doesn't quite live up to the to the cover artwork. I I expected something far far different and greater from that. I, sh- I should stop being fooled by brilliant cover art, um, but, it, but I always am. Um, but it gave me something else entirely. <laughs> Watching this, this this is for proper B movie aficionados. If if you're just kind of dipping in out of B movies and and kind of monster kind of animals on the loose when animals attack movies, you will just watch this and go, why has someone recommended this to me? This is dreadful. But honestly, it is the mo- one of the most entertaining films I've watched this month. Well, I think if you just take sort of anything really from that period of the 1970s, there seemed to be, you know, it spawned a number of horror films where kind of mutant animals were caused by an environmental incident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for the actual mutant animals to happen. You know, I'm, I'm really, I'd really like to see, you know, giant weird bears and like horrendously large tadpoles coming to light. But it doesn't, hasn't quite happened yet. These, well, these films lied to me. Well, they did, but we didn't really consider frogs from 1972 as an option of putting into <laughs> this one either. I don't know how scary frogs could be, but maybe we should go there at some point. <laughs> it has existed since prehistoric times was worshipped by primitive cultures. It can kill a man with one crushing bite. We heard a man was bit in half. Any recent bear attacks? Bears don't attack people underwater. Probably a fever then. What was that? Whatever's out there being shot with this, he's dead. Oh no. Sheriff, how many deputies you got? to help you find it we can't let him kill it experience a few parts mystery do you have any theories why he's here honestly i don't know and a few parts (laughs) missing it's a human toe is this the man who was killed he seemed taller oh my god bill coleman shoot him no how much of a wacko is this guy bridget thunder mother Oliver Platt. Maybe swim back up. Maybe not. I just have this feeling everything's totally safe. Go under. Lake Placid. You can't go yeah. past a good crocodile film, can you? 
No, not at all. I mean, this is from 1999. This is late passage. So this is directed by Steve Miner, who did Friday the 13th, part two and three. He did House and he did Warlock. And this is just a super fun giant crocodile on the loose in the lake in Maine movie. It's got a great cast. You've got Bridget Fonda as Kelly, who's the young science lady from the city. Bill Pullman, who's Jack, who's the local kind of wildlife fisheries official person. Oliver Platt, who plays Hector, who's a million or billionaire croc hunter. Brendan Gleeson, who's the small town sheriff, and Betty White, who's the slightly mad local. And they all communicate via sarcastic barbs. <laughs> it's like no one has a proper conversation in this movie. They're always trying to have a slight dig at each other, which kind of makes <laughs> makes the dialogue really odd. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so there's rumours this giant crocodile in the lake, and no one is really thinks this is possible until one of the deputies gets his head chomped off mid-lake explore. So once that happens, it's time to try and catch the beast. And this is a very, very silly, but utterly entertaining film. All the characters are equally annoying, but you're really just watching to see who the croc gets next. The CGI in this still looks pretty decent. I mean, this is 1999. This would have been a big budget movie to have CGI that good in it. And the larger than life animatronic croc was put together by Stan Winston's studio. So that just looks fantastic as well. And of course, you know, Stan did things like for the aliens, Jurassic Park, the ones in the 90s Jurassic Park versions, just to be clear. But obviously, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. I mean, you you see Stan Winston's name on something, you go, it doesn't matter if the film's utter rubbish. Everything's going to look great. All the effects are going to look cool. I'm in. So good revisiting this. Really, really, really enjoyed it. Apparently, there are five sequels. I haven't got to put that right because one of them, at least one of them, is Lake Placid versus Anaconda, which kind of yeah, dovetails I, two films that we featured on When Animals Attack. And I was going to, I was going to suggest at some point maybe we need to go and and visit it. I did make the mistake, Alex, of maybe watching Lake Placid two with the intention of watching all of them, including up to Lake Placid Legacy. And I really only got to about uh, ten minutes into Lake Placid two and realised what a mistake that would be for the rest of my weekend to waste it on the rest of those films. I would actually say that Zombie Beavers is better than Lake Placid (laughs) 2. No, no, it did not hold up. So I think in my mind, Lake Placid finishes at the 1999 version. Don't go there, Alex. Seriously, it's not, it's not even good, bad. It's, I can't even explain to you what it is. But, you know, it's like it, there are two great giant crocodilian movies. One is Alligator, which we did last time. The other is Lake Placid, which we're doing this time. It's very difficult to pull off when animal attack films seriously. And thankfully, like three of the films we've talked about tonight really don't hit it off as serious. I mean, Backcountry is the only one that does a serious job of it. Everything else has got stuff that you can laugh at. I mean, and Lake Placid just plays this strictly for laughs and obvious gore that's going to happen. But this, this, is the, this is the only one that kind of goes, you know what? We know how silly these movies are. Let's make it as silly as possible. But it has all the right jumps in all the right places. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and Alex, before we run out of time, uh, what have you got in the way of new releases this month? Ah, so from umbrellaent.com.au, we have got the Howling Collection on, on DVD, which has the Howling 3 four, five, and six in it. We possess evidence that werewolves exist. Where, for God's sake? Australia. Ah! 
Jeez, did I? The Howling Terror continues with a whole new breed of werewolves in Howling 3. Rated PG-13. Also from Umbrella, we have New Zealand's 1984 Gore Fest Death Warmed Up and the 1978 British animation Watership Down. Now that might sound a strange film to have on True Cult, but wait for the review. It all makes sense. Next month, oh, I think we're doing viruses, aren't we? We're going viral, Alex. That's absolutely right. (laughs) Excellent. Looking forward to some infectious films next month. And, of course, if you want trailers for anything we've talked about tonight, head over to the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash truecultmovies. Alex, always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, let's go pandemic epidemic. (laughs) (laughs) Until next month. That was True Cult with Alex Bonniewell. And if you do want to hear more about those new releases that Alex mentioned, you can find the True Cult new releases podcast up now at abc.net.au slash abcre, or you can find it on the ABC Listen app by searching for Rihanna Patrick or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is Rihanna Patrick on ABC Radio.